Hello and welcome to Their Giants episode number 127. Today's episode I have uh, another couple interviews I have done in the last week uh, with members of the Richmond Blind Squirrels. Uh, I have right-handed pitcher Mason Black and infielder Hayden Cantrell, um, both of whom are just really delightful guys to talk with. Uh, you know, just friendly, thoughtful. I say this all the time, but the Giants really do such a good job at just getting good guys in this organization. Um, it's 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 always a joy to talk with these players. So I think you're going to really enjoy listening to both of these. Before we get to that, I will say that uh, their Giants content is never, uh, never has advertisements. We are only supported by our subscribers. If you want to become a subscriber and get daily posts in your inbox covering the entire farm, um, I'm happy to have you. It's easy to sign up. Uh, at There Are Giants, and you will begin getting Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturday posts, every week, every day. And with that, uh, first up, I'm going to talk with right-handed pitcher Mason Black. Uh, he helps me a little bit with some of the, the modern training techniques and kind of what they do for you, um, his his journey, his professional journey. We talk a little arm action. We talk shape of breaking ball. Um kind of where he's at and and what he's trying to do and he he looks good this this spring he he feels good he's in a great state of mind i think he's gonna have another fantastic year so here is mason black all right mason how, how are you doing how's the how's, how do you feel about the start of the season everything's been great it's a lot of fun being back on the east coast obviously had some family got to come see last week so really enjoyed it here especially yeah. richmond weather's been beautiful so can't say enough good things yeah, this is actually one of the best staples I've seen out here so far. This is pretty sweet weather. Sweet, yeah. It's been awesome. So I think a lot of people know that you know, in an alternate universe, you might have gone to med school. <laughs> I wonder if I could rely on some of your, your med school knowledge <laughs> to ask you some things that we're seeing in pitcher training regimens that I think people hear about a lot, but they maybe don't understand. Okay, I'll try my best, but I did not go to med school. That's just a disclaimer for anyone listening. Not a real doctor, I get yeah. it. Well, let's start with pilot balls. Okay. They're everywhere in the game. They seem to have really revolutionized training. What exactly are they, and what do they do for you? Uh, there's overspeed and underspeed ones, so they're either heavier than the traditional weight of a baseball or lighter. And what they've helped for me, at least, I know other guys might use them for different mechanisms, but I like to use them as kind of like training how my body should feel. So like put a heavier weight in your arm and just move how your body should feel. It gives you almost like a hypersensitivity to like how you're supposed to be moving. That way you get a feel for it and you can apply it in your actual catch play. What's the lighter one do? The lighter one is more of like an arm speed thing. Um, it allows you, it's a little bit like gives you a little bit more fluent motion so you can kind of train the the heavy stuff first and then move into the lighter ball and just feel like that looseness in your arm like just really relax it do some of them help you with um with spin are there are there pellet balls that, that help you get shape on pitches better um not necessarily or at least that's not what i use them for i'm sure uh, if you talk to probably 10 other guys they would have different <laughs> answers but um i like it there is just like the aspect of like supinating when I throw the ball or when I throw a plyo ball, I try to supinate and just like try to mimic my natural arm slot. So I guess you can say it does have some aspects of training that that spin, but it might not be directly spin correlated, correlated more of like a spin, like altering, like getting that good supination around the ball. There's a thing I see. So I'll come in the 
the where the visitors guys are warming up. There's a thing I see all the time, and it's like pitchers get down on their knee with their back to a wall, and then they take one of these things and throw it backwards against the wall as hard as they can. And you look at it, it like looks like my shoulder would come out. <laughs> what what are you doing? What are pitchers doing when they do that? <laughs> that is called a reverse throw. It's almost like step A. When you learn how to use plyo balls, that's like the first thing you always do. And uh, I think I speak for almost 90% of our pitchers where we just all do that one. It's just something that we're taught. And I mean, it, for me at least, I like the counter rotation aspect of it. Like you feel like you're reverse, like pulling a seatbelt. Oh, wow. Like you're almost unclipping a seatbelt. So it takes you from like that lower left side to that upper right side for a right hander. And it's kind of like a, I, I use it as like a priming the system kind of thing. Like just get the scap engaged, get like the mid back to, you know, that lower left side really firing. So you're, uh, I think we're two days out from your next start. So where in the, the whole kind of arm care regimen between starts would you be doing something like that? I do those every day, actually. Every yeah, day? Every day. And um, that's something that our, our front office and pitching coordinators all the way from the top down really emphasize is just having that consistent routine that like, gets you going for every single day. So I do the reverse throws as well as a couple other plyo ball drills every day just to feel good, whether it's 11 a.m., 9 a.m. like yesterday or, or <laughs> a nice 5 p.m. day here. <laughs> so that just kind of wakes, wakes up the system, as it were. Oh, yeah. There was... I have, the other night, uh, Sham and I was pitching in the Giants game, and I forget who it was. Um, it was Javi Lopez or somebody was saying that he said this year is the first time he'd ever had an arm care regime, which is kind of hard to imagine. That's unbelievable. <laughs> is that something new that you guys get when you come to pro ball? Is it, is it like, is this anything you guys know about when you're in college, or is this is this pro, and, and how do you, like, figure it out? It, it really is trial and error, I do have to say. I mean, coming into to Pro Bowl, I really didn't have, like, an arm care, like, all right, day after, I got to do this. Day Two days after, I got to do this. It was just kind of like, in college, I mean, you always feel you're like a rubber band man almost. <laughs> you're 18, 19 years old, feel great. You're like, ah, I can do a couple arm circles and I'm good to throw. Whereas, like, now it's like, now you're throwing every day. It's like you do have to kind of structure your weeks around when you're going to pitch. And I, I actually enjoy it just because, like, We've had incredible like strength staff and everything that'll work with you a ton, and just finding what works for you. And I've really enjoyed doing that so far. So is what you're doing now like basically the same or very different from what you're doing say a year ago when you're in San Jose? It's a lot of parts are the same. I did add another lift in like the day before, but for the most part, it's been like pretty consistent. Just like hopped on the Giants rotator cuff and scap strengthening programs and then kind of pick and choose what I like, add that in there, but the structure is almost the same, so it's been enjoyable. So a lot of people smarter than me have made that, so I'll, uh, I'll take their word for it. It's been helping. I was able to throw a lot of innings last year, so if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Is a lot of it you just know from your body, like, oh, it's, I'm four days out from a starter, how do I feel kind of thing? Is it just basically feeling your body? Yeah, a lot of it is just, like, feeling it out with, like, Oh, I'm like I'm kind of hanging today. It might be a good day to take it easier on the throwing side of things and really focus on the weight room side. When you were so when you were at Lehigh, I think uh, the story was anyway. Maybe it's true or maybe it's not that you kind of changed your mechanics going into your final year and then changed uh, more or back or something once you got into pro ball. 
how did that sort of progression go? Like, what were you changing and what were you trying to accomplish when you were going through those various changes? Well, um, if you went ahead and did some advanced scouting on me, my freshman, sophomore years at Lehigh, I had this real long arm action. Like, at foot strike, my arm was never in the same spot twice. And while it was like, I was good, I was able to throw strikes for the most part. And um, really just like command my off speed. It wasn't, I didn't think what was going to get me into pro ball or make me make that like next step in my development. Like it was almost like a cap. So I went ahead and took a risk and changed my arm action a little bit uh, alongside one of our coaches at uh, Lehigh. And while it did backfire in the short term, I think like long term, I was able to get to where I am now. And had I not done that, it probably would have, I probably wouldn't be here. I could tell you that much. But uh, yeah, it just is like, it was almost like an overemphasis of like a shorter arm action and trying to get that arm consistent at foot strike. And then once, like as the year progressed, it kind of went back to more of like a, a neutral position between my old arm path and that recent like four short one. So kind of like averaged out and got me into a good spot. So to where are you now? Are, are you kind of at the shortest end of, of where you've been or are you in between? A little bit? I'm, in, I'm in between still. I mean... I still had some control issues when I shortened things up a lot. So I think going back to like that neutral in between my really long one and that shorter one has helped me. But basically, the last year, last year, and so far this year, your your control has been pretty impeccable. I don't think you've walked a guy yet this year. Uh, certainly at San Jose, you know, the, the walks have been very very limited as a pro. Um, have you gotten into a place where you feel like? I, I'm, I'm a reliable strike thrower. I feel confident that I'm going to be able to get ahead of counts at this point. I, I think so, yeah. And a lot of that is not only, like, physical, but it is on the mental side of things. Mm-hmm. Like, just uh, from the top down, like, pitching coordinators and pitching coaches, like, oh, here preaches it as well. It's like, we do have to own the zone. And mm-hmm. if your stuff is, is good enough, then you should be able to throw the ball in the zone and kind of limit damage. So that's the mentality I've kind of taken into pro ball is just, like, at the end of the day, I, I'm not going to get beat by myself by walking guys. I want to force contact and force the other team to beat me. And um, just like from the mental skills side of things, I've had a lot of help too with that. So I've really appreciated it. Well, I was going to ask you about your breaking ball, but now, now that you bring <laughs> up mental skills, um, that's, that's kind of like a fascinating part of player development to me. How do you use kind of the mental skills resources that the, that the organization has to help kind of refine your craft or help develop yourself whether it's as a player or as a person uh definitely it's it's something i definitely didn't take enough advantage of in college because we had a school psychologist a baseball psychologist and i just like i almost saw it as as something you needed if you were struggling Mm -hmm. instead of someone who's there for you whether you're doing well or not well so it's it was um something that get into pro ball and we had Kellen Lee with us last year and he spent a lot of time in San Jose so just picking his brain up and talking about visualization and just like the mental steps that you could take going into an outing has helped tremendously yeah it's a big thing obviously for this organization that yeah. it's not a weakness right it's, no. it's helping make your strength okay I do want to talk about your breaking ball okay. <laughs> I was watching a game of yours in spring and I was I was talking to a scout who had seen you really early last year in San Jose he said oh the shape of his slider is different this year and I'm like, oh, do you mean it's less sweepy? And he said, no, it's more sweepy. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's weird. When I saw him in Eugene at the end of the year, I thought it was pretty sweepy. It's like, oh, I saw him early in the year in San Jose, and it was, it was more vertical. Um, how have you been experimenting with, with the long answer, short answer? 
what, what experimentation have you been doing with the shape of your breaking ball kind of as a pro? <laughs> um, there's just like like everything, trial and error, I do have to say. Um, coming into pro ball really didn't have that any shape in mind as to what I was looking for. So finally getting on track, man, this was early on, like last spring training. Um, just like them telling me, all right, we want you to throw a sweeper. And I was like, okay, cool. So I would just, I, I would try it and it just naturally swept across the zone. So I was like, all right, I think I could do this, stick on board. And then would like, it would come and go, lose it here and there. And I think this year I've taken the approach of like recognizing why it's going south and why it's turning into more of a traditional slider. Um, and then there's also like the crossfire aspect I think you've mentioned in one of your tweets in the past. Um, that's helped get more east west on things and just, tried to create separation between that and the sinker. Is it something where you, you'd you actually like to be able to manipulate a couple shapes on it, you know, based on right-handed or left-handed or, or guy swings or something like that? Is that a place you want to get to, or do you have, want to have one really consistent shape? I think manipulation is the ultimate goal, just being able to, to throw it, you know, if a left-hander's up, you want to get more depth on it, or a right-hander, you want to get off the barrel, so more sweep. But, I mean, right now, I think the focus is just get it in the zone um, at a consistent rate, and then we'll worry about that stuff later. I've, I've been lucky to, to get away with, like, throwing, uh, like, four seams and sinkers and everything else, change up in the zone a little bit more, so definitely have to get that cha- or slider working more this year. The so you mentioned the changeup. You've been throwing something that has like a pretty good downward movement. Are, is that the changeup, or are you throwing a splitter this year? Or what's going on with your 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 other pitch, your third fourth pitch? I like to call it a splange, <laughs> <laughs> for lack of a better term. It's it's got a splitter spin, but uh, splitter spin rate, I guess you could say. But you kind of orient it more so of a way that it. It has like a change-up action where it uh, grabs the seams in such a way that it has that more downer shape. What would, what what was the word you used for that? A splange-up. A splange-up. Yeah. <laughs> a little hybrid I like that. Of the two. Okay, that's the term I will now <laughs> yeah. use. Well, you seem like you're in a pretty good place this year. I mean, just mm-hmm. like mentally, physically, performance on the field, Thank things you, are yeah. going pretty well for you this year. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We have a great group of guys here, and obviously having uh, I've had Bailey catch me a lot, but mm-hmm. also Martirano and Andy Thomas and uh, and Baki too. Like having that group behind the dish lets you worry a lot less about catching and just more about pitching and because you know they're going to pick you up as well as our whole defense like guys have been killing it this year so can't say enough good things about this team this group yeah when i talked to bailey last week he said basically he doesn't want you guys to think on the mound he's <laughs> like just do it just get out there and do it is that that kind of what you want to do too yeah yeah well i he, he knows me he knows i like to think so <laughs> sometimes he'll yell at me like give me a little kick every once in a while but it's all in good nature good fun well, things have been going pretty pretty good so far this year. Great last year, obviously. Uh, I wish you continued success, and I uh, can't wait to watch. Appreciate it, Tom. All right. <laughs> have a great one. Okay, and then uh, next up we have infielder Hayden Cantrell, um, who, unlike a lot of his teammates, uh, is not a player who originally came into the giant system, you know, through the draft or, or international free agent. He was acquired in a trade. He actually... Uh, moved twice within a month. <laughs> he was traded twice uh, in one of his early years. So we talk a little bit about uh, about that and how strange it was to keep moving from team to team. Uh, I didn't know Hayden much uh, when we started talking, but uh, he's a really fun kid of a big YouTube presence. So when you're done listening to him, maybe you want to go check out his, his YouTube page, see what he's got going on there. Um, 
again, you know, really easy guy to root for. Uh, so here is my interview with Hayden Cantrell. Hayden, so it's good to meet you. Uh, how are you feeling? How are things going this year for you? You as well. Um, happy to be here with a, a new group of guys. Um, you know, things have been going great so far. You know, it's a good chemistry group of guys, you know, you know, motivating everybody to get better um, in their craft. And so, you know, coming out and playing on a nightly basis and entertaining here in Richmond's been fun so far. So you talk about a new group of guys. Obviously, you know, a lot of people at this level are going to be, this is the only organization they've ever known. That's not the case for you. You you went through like two in a month basically last year. Right. What was that like for you? <clears throat> it was uh, it was very chaotic. I um, you know, I think I had a lot of a lot of questions about you know where I was gonna go or you know why or you could ask all that. But you know for myself, you know I just grew to my routines um, day to day. You know that's what got me through that transition. And then um, you know getting placed with the Giants eventually has been a good fit. And uh, you know it's been great to work with my craft with. Um, a bunch of really good developers in this organization, you know, as if I as I've had in the other organizations. But um, you know, it's it's more people, you know, invested in my career, and uh, I'm grateful for that. You, you, one thing you'll often hear from from guys is when you get into pro ball, there's obviously a lot of really smart people bringing you information. Sometimes it can be overwhelming, confusing. Mm-hmm. I assume when you go through a lot of several different organizations, they all have their own kind of way of doing things. It can be even more confusing. How do you like stay true to kind of your path through that stuff? Yeah, I think um, well, one, one, one thing's for sure is you know I had my own you know adjustments I was looking to make in that. In that sense, and so for for every ball player, I, I guess you know for, I can speak for myself. You know, the day to day grind is about bettering yourself and bettering your craft. So, um, in more ways than one, you know, you have indicators of success and uh, measures of things you need to work on, um, and and that's that's what you really try to focus on. You know, going from team to team, and then you know when you step in between the lines with whoever it is, you know, it's the the theme is about winning. So and that makes it simple. So you know, day to day you work on your craft. You know, so at nighttime. You know, you can go play for your boys. Obviously, one reason why this is probably a good fit for you is you do a lot of things that this organization values. Um, you, you have a really good eye at the plate. You're disciplined. You tend to walk, you know, more than you, you strike out. What's your kind of approach at the plate? Who, who do you think of yourself when you're getting in the box? Well, I guess without telling you everything. Um, you no know, secrets. But quite, quite simply, you know, um, you know, if I'm in a funk or whatnot, you know, a, a little simple thing I'll, I'll tell my friends and myself is, you know, just swing it, swing it, strikes and take balls. So, you know, in essence, you know, that's all that approach entails, you know, granted what day-to-day scouting reports and feels and, you know, all of the other stuff that plays into the point four seconds of decision making is all is always that. So, um, you know, but to keep it simple, you know, just swing at the strikes and take the balls. This is the old like Ted Williams approach, but it, it sounds easy, but it's it's not that easy, is it? Yeah, no, you, it's definitely been a lot of development. You know, there's a lot of work that goes, you know, goes in the scenes. You know, to make sure that you're in a position to do that. You know, at game time, but um, you know, in the best way possible, if I can do that, I'll have a good day at the park. You're also a switch hitter. Which is your like natural side? When did you pick up switch hitting, and where do you feel? Which side do you feel best at? Um, I've I've been switch hitting since I was five, six. I probably did it in t-ball. Um, I did it religiously, you know, like left when there's a righty uh, pitch and hit lefty. Uh, by age ten, I was doing it full fledged. Um, I grew up a righty originally, though. Um, so I would say, you know, when I'm really locked in. You know, on lefties, righties really fun, I would say. But uh, you know, general day to day, you know, it's 
could be flip of a coin for success on each one. So uh, try not to put either one in a corner, you know, and, and uh, limit the success there. But, um, you know, I do feel my switch hitting gives me a great opportunity to win each plate appearance. Yeah, it's funny because Bailey was saying he picked it up like pretty early too, ten or so. Did you actually have opportunities to to hit right hand? Now, did you see left handers when you were a kid much? Very, very interesting. You know, because once I started switch hitting uh, by age ten, you know, the amount of times I hit right handed was very limited, and it was it would beat me up mentally as a kid. You know, I'd grow up being really good right handed, and um, I'd never get righty at bats. And then I remember at one point in high school, my my coach suggested, "Hey, why don't we just hit left handed?" And I was like, "No, you know, there's a reason." I just I feel like I haven't seen a lefty, you know, ever, or at least a competitive lefty, because, you know, the lefty you would see would be throwing 75 miles an hour or something like that. So um, right after college, you know, I'd say, you know, in my first year of independent ball, I really started getting consistent out of that variety, and that's when I really started seeing that, you know, the switch hitting really start to flourish the way I had wanted to. You know, in my college career, I was relatively successful righty uh, compared to lefty, but you know, in general, the whole switch hitting thing is just about as many times you see the guy, you know. You right. face more lefties, you're going to feel good in their righty. Um, you know, I'd say the hardest days are when they probably flip-flop you for at-bats. You probably go right-left, right-left. But who knows, sometimes that's what gets you, you know, on time. And, you know, maybe those are the fours that you hit on the button. So as a switch hitter, you try not to put any trends into that, you know. And the benefit to that is when you get to go in the batter's box, it's, it's always a brand-new one. Uh-huh. The slate's always clean. You're always, you know, just trying to compete. So... Well, talking about kind of growing up, I, I, I want to ask you about that. I know you have all these, like, they're famous baseball hawk beds in the country. Like, we always have the Florida guys. We always have the California guys. Yeah. Uh, you grew up in Louisiana. Uh, what was the, like, amateur youth baseball scene like where you grew up? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I played I played a little bit of travel baseball until about 12 um, competitively. And in the state of Louisiana, the, the 12-year-old circuit, we all play, like, U-Triple-S-A major and there was probably a good six teams in Louisiana, and we would all find each other on the weekends, on the, you know, in the tournaments, and we'd all go play the best baseball. And there was, among those kids, there was probably 50 Division One college baseball players yeah. from that 12-year-old circuit. So I'd grown up doing that. In high school, you know, I kind of was out of summer baseball and showcase baseball because I played football. So I was always training for the fall and, you know, doing seven-on-sevens, you know, yeah. throwing all of those. And then on the weekends, you know, I uh, never really got to play much travel baseball, but um, as far as the talent, you know, in, in high school, you know, very, very competitive in Lafayette, Louisiana, and then um, there's tons of Louisiana talent, you know, spread throughout of all of those Division One universities, and a lot of kids leave, you know, because they have the opportunity to, so um, very, you know, very warm weather climate, so, you know, for the kids who want to throw down year-round, you know, they had the opportunity. I wasn't one of those kids, and I think that really saved my fire for it. You know, I got to go baseball half this year. And then football, you know, just go, you know, let it rip. So, you know, and every year baseball comes around, it was time to go again. So, what'd you play in football? I played, um, I played quarterback my senior year. Uh, junior year, I played receiver and returned the punts and kickoffs. So I was probably probably the best at receiver. Uh-huh. We got my we got my 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 opportunities for college football as a receiver. Um, so yeah, running kicks back sometimes, punts, whatever. So it's a lot. Sometimes that's scarier than getting in the box since '95 when that ball goes up and you just you don't look down again so did you uh yeah i i sort of remember that myself did you play were you a two-sport guy in college or did you have to choose i did it no i i I didn't think physically i was in a position to play division one football so um maybe in another life perhaps yeah 
I was so I was looking at your your, your baseball card uh, before I talked to you. And you actually played in some interesting kind of places in your college career. One was like when you were maybe a rising freshman. You were up here in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Yep. I actually lived in Gaithersburg for a while. And I never wow. knew they had a competitive uh, summer league. How did that happen? How did you find your way up here? That was um, so after my senior year, uh, right after the draft, I got courtesy picked by the Yankees in the 40th round. And that opened up an opportunity for me to play in a college collegiate summer league. So, um, you know, I was able to reach out as a, a prospect type player. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, I was able to go out there in Gaithersburg, Maryland, was one of the few places that were allowing uh, high school players wow. as freshmen. So I got to play out there. Actual Daniel Cabrera was my teammate in that league that summer on the other team. And, uh, you know, that was a good opportunity, my first taste of college arms prior to going into my first fall as a freshman so you know, that definitely prepared me but you know definitely definitely some uh empty environments you could say but you know it's, it's all about digging it's all about digging deep and seeing what you got anyway so um it was about ball and getting innings in regardless so we enjoyed Gaithersburg we had a good time so that's yeah. actually, I think, something fans never really understand is why the courtesy picks exist. But it's kind of like that way. They, it opens doors and opportunities for you, Yeah, right? you know, and, and as much as, you know, I, and I had no idea. I actually I tell the story of when I got drafted in high school. It's not as, people don't really ask about that one. They want to ask about the one that happened recently. Right. But when I was, just, that when that happened that summer, you know, my family was going out for some trip or some, run some errands, and I was at home by myself for a good five hours last day of the draft. You know, it all had fizzled. Any opportunity I was going to go, it was an automatic nut at this point. So everybody was gone, and I went and took a nap, and I, I woke up to open my phone, and it was frozen. Um, but, yeah, it was just a little something like that, you know, where maybe the, the Yankees at the time were respecting me as a player, whatever. And But uh, just little things like that, you know, opened a big opportunity. And, uh, you know, it turns out that's why I ended up getting invited to the Cape because I had played that summer, the summer before so. Um, I got to play in the Cape Cod, and, and that had changed my life as well. So big, big series of events, you know, that happened that way. But you know, uh, definitely help helps, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah, unfortunately, those 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 rounds where the teams used to do that don't exist anymore, right. which really sucks for kids. Exactly. Um, yeah, you played tw- two years in the Cape, which is unusual. The other thing you did that I thought was really interesting was 2020, when obviously everybody was scrambling to try and figure out how to how to help develop themselves. Yeah, you were in a little tournament. Um, Joliet, Illinois, Chicago area, mm-hmm. or a limited four-team thing yeah. to get in action. How did you? How did you find that? Yeah, very interesting. You know, 2020 hit very, very odd time, and I'm like a, you know, I love. I'm a park rat. I love to go to the field and play. I love to throw the ball, take fungos, whatever. So, 2020 hit, and, and all of the local college players in Louisiana, we were all looking to get some reps. So, um, I have my YouTube channel that you know we like do, making content with and stuff, and so. We had actually rented out a couple of venues back home uh, and prior to that to get some reps, and we had actually hosted some nine-inning games, you know, with just a bunch of, we called them sandlot games, but we had uh-huh. we had fans come in, we had some PA, music, all that stuff, so, but, you know, that went on, and then, uh, you know, I got opportunities, like, hey, they're, you know, they're putting together a league in Joliet, and so, I was super thrilled to just go play or whatever, so. Um, we were getting reps. We were doing whatever we could in that time to get reps, and then now I was getting an opportunity to go face an arm. So that was really that was really good for me. I got to go uh, live with some guys up in in Joliet, Illinois, and make that drive over there. And um, you know, I definitely draw from that experience a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of things I needed to work on at the time. But you know, just to get my feet settled professionally, if you will. Um, but that was a good environment to do that. 
Was that you, that was also the summer you got drafted? Was that before the draft or after the draft? Correct, right as is after. Yep, it was right after. Yeah, so a couple months after. You, I don't know if you know this, but Pelf was like involved in putting a, something like that together in Kentucky. That like Fitzgerald played in and Logan Wyatt. Oh, there was really? like this little fourteen Kentucky huh. league. I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought we were the only one, <laughs> but we were just happy to be out there. It was weird, but we had people telling us, you know, to like. We were all sitting in the dugout, and they are like, telling us to move away from each other. It was weird, but whatever. We, we were doing whatever we could to play ball. Everybody was being weird about everything, but, you know, we got, we got what we needed, and then that was that. It was a weird time. So, yeah. it, like, it, it feels like your professional career has been really weird because, like, Milwaukee pushed you really hard. So you, like, moved up levels quick. Mm-hmm. Then you, like, go through Miami back to San Francisco. San Francisco takes you back down to, like, complex. Was that yep. just to, like get your feet under you, kind of integrate you in the system, um, get to know people. What was that whole process like for you? Yeah, um, that was kind of, it was kind of weird. I made a YouTube video about that too, very, with with my actual on-scene, like, reaction to it. But I remember just being real, like, um, like, it had already happened to me, and it was, like, weird when before the guy, my, my coach was going to tell me, like, I'd already had the sensation, I knew it was happening again or whatever, but, um, you know, getting, like, Getting getting traded to the Giants and then not coming straight here, I guess, was maybe like a shock to me. But at the same time, you know, like I was reminded myself that I still had like adjustments I had to make anyways, wherever. And so to be honest, at that point, I was very like very like whatever. I was very motivated to very to fix my craft and make my adjustments. So um, bummed out to probably go to Arizona at first. And, but I, that's not my job to understand that. So I wasn't trying to, like, push back on it or I didn't even – I didn't feel like I made a fuss about it either. I was just – I was happy to go play on a team and I got to play with a bunch of younger kids who kind of rejuvenated my love for the game regardless. So I was able to um, – you know, I, whenever I got promoted to San Jose on that bus ride, you know, those, those kids were so happy for me. And, and they had never met me before, but they were so happy to see me get promoted from rookie ball to low A. So it was like, if nothing else, it was a great perspective. Um, enhancement alongside with the adjustments I made, uh, made for that, you know, a good a good full circle a year later to be back in the same spot, um, you know, with a good opportunity. So that's, you know, if nothing else, I've, I've tried to see it for that and, you know, try to work in that, that lens. That's pretty cool. I, I now know that I have to go watch your YouTube channel. Cool. Um, so it's okay. So I'll end here. So now this is your second year. You're back up to double A, kind of full circle. Do you feel, like, comfortable? Do you feel like you're in a place that fit that, that you know, how, how do you feel at this point going forward now? Yeah, I, I think last year I came in just with the thought, thinking it was the same mindset of, you know, I'm comfortable. I've, I've prepared very well. Um, you know, and, and just like last year, I've, there's a lot of off-season adjustments I've made based on last season that I feel like in the exact same way, I'm equally as prepared with as much information as I had, you know, going into this year. So um, I feel like feel like lately just been going coming to the field and playing with my hair on fire, and that's what I love to do. So I've kind of been off of results, you know, because my career has kind of taught me that, and I, I like playing that way. So um, that's the approach, and, you know, I feel adequately prepared, as I did last year, but I definitely feel better because I've definitely made some improvements. So I'm um, excited to see what's going to happen, ready to let it rip. Nice. You, you've got good hair to set on fire when you're playing, <laughs> too. It's a, it's a, it's a good look. Yeah, thanks. Um,
Well, I, you know, I'm really glad to kind of get to know you, and I, I can't wait to sort of watch your development through the season, and, and good luck to you. Hopefully you have great success this year. Cool. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks yeah. very much. Yes, sir. Thank you. And that is it for this week's Thayer Giants podcast. Uh, be back next week. I'm not sure if I'll have any player interviews next week. Maybe a prospect writer, uh, but we'll have some some Giants-related prospect content for you coming up again next week. Um, we're starting to we're starting to get into the season. We're by next week we'll be into our second month, so things are starting to become meaningful. Thanks everyone for listening, and I will see you next week.